This is Lou Antonio. You're listening to TV Confidential. Ed Robertson welcoming you to TV Confidential, radio talk show about television that will play part two of our conversation with Donzelay Abernathy in our second hour. Donzelay Abernathy, star of Any Day Now and the youngest daughter of the Reverend Ralph David Abernathy, the man who co-founded the Civil Rights Movement along with Dr. Martin Luther King. Donzelay is the lead vocalist on a brand new single called The Listening, that is inspired by a speech that Martin Luther King gave in April 1967. We'll ask Donzelay how she became involved in that project. We'll also talk about the direct line between Donzelay Abernathy and National Youth Poet Laureate Amanda Gorman. We'll play part two of our conversation with Donzelay Abernathy in our second hour. Hope you hope you stay tuned for that. In the meantime, Tony Figueroa and Donna Allen will join us for this week in TV history. Tony's segment, as always, brought to us by our friends at Story Salon, Southern California's longest-running, regularly performing live storytelling ensemble. During this time of sheltering in place, Story Salon takes place once a month via Zoom. You can see the video of the latest edition of Story Salon at facebook.com forward slash Story Salon. Five years ago this week in TV history marked the passing of George Kennedy. George Kennedy, known for his roles in the airport movies, the Naked Gun movies, Carter McKay on the last three seasons of the original Dallas, and of course his Oscar-winning role as Dragline in Cool Hand Luke. Tony, Donna, and I paid tribute to George Kennedy as part of an expanded edition of This Week in TV History that originally aired in March 2015 on the occasion of his 90th birthday. As we pick up the conversation, Tony and Donna and I were talking about how George Kennedy's acting career began in the 1950s, when he was still in the Army. George Kennedy was, and I don't remember whether they were out here or still in New York at the time, but George Kennedy was, at the time, George Kennedy was a career Army officer, and he did, he was a technical advisor for a number of television shows, and one of the shows he was technical advisor on was the Phil Silvers show. And as part of his arrangement um, of advising on the accuracy of Army life and Army regulations and can we do this or, how, or can we portray it this way, he eventually got interested in being in front of the camera. Huh. And, one of, and among his first acting appearances was on the Phil Silver Show. And then and by the time Bilko... I mean, because it was it, it was known by several titles. You know, sometimes it was known as Sergeant Bilko. Bilko. Sometimes mm-hmm. it was known as the Phil Silver Show. Sometimes it was known as You Never, never Get, Get Rich. Rich. Yeah. But by the time the show ended, George Kennedy resigned from the Army and pursued a full-time acting career. And I just assumed George Kennedy was a career actor. Yeah. Well, he became one. He became <laughs> one, yes. Now, of course, we are talking about an actor in in the world of television has had done many projects. Uh, the Blue Knight uh, stands out in oh, my head. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, another Lorimar show. Yes, it was a Lorimar show that, uh, and and again, based on a series of people books. People think yeah. people think of the the original miniseries starring William Holden, but uh, when they decided to ad- adapt it into a weekly series, obviously William Holden wasn't available or mm-hmm. didn't do television, but uh, they reached out to George 
Kennedy, who, that was a show, it was a mid-season replacement, uh, as I recall, and it did pretty well uh, during its first 13, enough to, to warrant a second season pickup. The problem is they put the Blue Knight up against Charlie's Angels. Ah, and no nobody, contest. No one <laughs> watched the Blue Knight, and the Blue Knight was gone by Halloween. So. Yeah, and Blue Knight did have a, a short run in syndication. Very, well, oh, oh, because and, it, only, it only had less than yeah. 20 episodes. So the, it, I, I, I know that uh, Channel 20 up in San Francisco, they used to run it like Saturday nights at midnight. But I remember the first time I was saw the movie Earthquake in theaters, and there's George Kennedy in, in, in a police unit, and everyone's going, it's the Blue Knight! Yes. <laughs> well, interesting, you know, uh, lest we forget, he won the Oscar in 1967 for playing Dragline mm-hmm. in Cool Hand Luke. Yeah. Uh, and he had a lot of great scenes with Paul Newman. But he also, uh, Michael Medved's The Golden Turkey Awards, uh, which is a, it's out of print, but it's you can find it on Amazon. It The worst movies up to the point of publication, this is 30 years ago. And one of them was, I think it was Airport, Two or airport. He was in all of them. Okay. Well, there's one of the airport. One of the airport sequels made the Golden Turkey Awards, and uh, the line that was singled out was it was trash because of its dialogue. I think George Kennedy was the pilot in this particular one, Mm -hmm. and really, yeah, he Joe Petretti. His character was always a pilot, but I think only in the Concorde you actually see him flying the plane. Well, Con- I think it was called Airport 79 and then it became Airport 80. Concorde. I think, I think yeah. this is the one I'm thinking of. Yeah. And again, I'm, I, going, I'm, I going, think, yeah. I'm going off memory. And there is a line. There is some sort. Of, it's supposed to be a sexually charged scene between George Kennedy and whoever his, lead, whoever his female lead is in this scene. And the line is, why do you think they call it the cockpit? Oh. Uh, and that's why it made the Golden Turkey Award. Okay. <laughs> you know, in the whole airport franchise, George Kennedy sometimes were given was given the really funny lines or the really... Uh, <laughs> but he... He, he made them work. He yeah. made them work. Well. And, you know, where nobody else would have made them yeah. work. I, in the first one, he is, you know, he's a pilot for... Uh, TWA, you know, which is, you know, product placement and, uh, you know, you have the, the, uh, it's the bomb mm-hmm. and the bomber in the, uh, in the lavatory blows it up, you know, and he's the one who can look at the model and tell everybody how this is going to play out before it actually happens uh, based on experience. And he could describe what happened to him in the past, you know, but, you know, of course he's not very eloquent. It's also, oh, so the kook's in here, yeah. you know, and, and, and which is, Funny and so, and he describes that the second one. Uh, yeah, he refers to the seven forty seven as a uh, as the big pussycat, and yeah. you know he's he's kind of also part of the team to help stage the rescue because small uh, small uh, private plane crashes into the jet, yeah. and they and the crew is out of commission. Third one, they're underwater. That's when it starts to get absurd, and he's you know. <laughs> He's always the go-to guy to come up. He was kind of like the MacGyver of air travel. His, and then finally he's the pilot because I guess nobody else wanted to do it. His, his movie careers post, his, his movies post Cool Hand Luke were not always the best of movies. However, he did do, he did a movie, it was released in Europe. 
and it's available on DVD called The Human Factor. And it was the close. It's, it's sort of like Death Wish tailored for George Kennedy, where he plays a CIA operative who comes home and finds his family destroyed. And it's, it's George Kennedy against the world, mm-hmm. uh, but it's set in er, Europe or Italy or something like that. But it's actually it's not a be- it's not it's not a great movie, but it's not a bad movie, and he makes it work. Yeah, George Kennedy for me has always been one of those actors. I don't go to movies, I don't watch TV shows to tune in to see an actor. Mm-hmm. I don't. George Kennedy maybe maybe the exception to yeah. that because he's just so good at yeah. what he does. Yeah. Yeah, so it's, 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 he's he's one of those actors that he's always, almost always better than his material. Yes, mm-hmm. and when he's given good material, he's even better. And uh, he did he did one. Uh, Tina Louise was in it. Uh, Gregory Sierra's in it. Uh, Mad Dog Blues, if I remember correctly, where he's the warden of like a southern jail, mm-hmm. you know, kind of chain. That gang. was a good performance. And you know, and also they made him look a little different. He didn't, you know, he wasn't silver haired. Yeah. Uh, you know, he was, you know, the the head of the jail, and he's also the bad guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, through some uh, misinterpretation of a situation, he is becoming very vengeful. So you're sympathetic to the guy. Uh, there's a, a, a there's somebody you know you follow somebody who was jailed wrongfully, and others are working to correct the problem, including his wife. He's got a job to do, maintaining the jail. And uh, this guy decides, you know, whatever's happening, I'm not getting out of here. You know, in spite of everyone's best efforts on the outside, I'm not getting out. Uh, but uh, George Kennedy's daughter, the warden's daughter, starts flirting with him aggressively uh, in an R-rated sort of way uh, to get his attention. He walks in, even though this guy is completely innocent. Um he is now ready to go after this guy who is planning a very elaborate escape. And so you enjoy the escape, but you also sympathize with the father, you know, and, and the job. You know, so very complex character. Uh, but like I said, the, the hair makeup, it, he did not look like the George Kennedy that we knew. And I think that was part of it to, to give him a different look. But also we know him from comedy and not just the Naked Gun movies. That's right. I forgot. I, I forgot. Okay. Again, you know, he has a look. And, you know, for somebody who was in some of these disaster movies and where he is playing, you know, uh, either the Blue Knight or some, where he's known for these roles to have the same style, the same delivery now to do the, you know, to play straight man to Leslie Nielsen. Yeah. He played the Alan North character. In from, the yeah. From, yeah. Yeah. So they... They had him do that, and he could play off of Leslie Nielsen beautifully. I mean, beautifully, but, you know, he had had enough experience playing the police, usually the uniform. uh, He did. As you you said, he did all the airplane movies. He did all of those. Or or the airplane movies. And, you know, the, the secret to a lot, you know, whether it's airplane or whether it is police squad, then naked gun, was that you had actors who played mm. straight. Leslie Nielsen's oh. resume pre airplane. Uh, you know, he, he, he did all the Q, he did all the QM shows. He did all the he yeah. He the you know, he did Columbo. He, he did, was he did, the captain of the SS uh, Poseidon uh, in the Poseidon, Poseidon adventure. Right. So you know he had the experience of playing all of that stuff. 
And even when he did comedies, he ha- he was usually you know a little bit more straight laced. Right. Uh, and then so George Kennedy had the same resume, you know. To, but to see him play comedy, but he also was on McHale's Navy. He was a reoccurring as Big Frenchie. I did not remember that. Yeah. Neither so did I. he um, and I believe he was in the first McHale's Navy movie as Big Frenchie. So you know he's a big Frenchman. We're, ta- in- we're, we're talking about the move, the, the McHale's Navy movie in the '60s. Yeah, not not the, not the Tom, Tom Arnold, Arnold thing. Right. No, no, no. Uh, but you know one of the uh, ports that they would frequent is New Caledonia. Uh-huh. So you did have a lot of French characters there. Uh, Claudine Langey had a reoccurring uh, role. Uh, but yeah, George Kennedy was right, the guy. She would have been under contract at Universal. Yeah, she but did was, all the Universal shows at that time. Yeah, and she was great opposite. Yeah. Uh, talk about a good straight man opposite Tim Conway. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he was he was uh, like a French con man uh-huh. who would usually dupe uh, Lieutenant Parker somehow. <laughs> while, uh, while while we're on the lot, he did a show. He did a. This goes back to talking about backdoor pilots. He did an episode, he did a two-part episode of Ironside, which led to a series called Sarge. He played a former cop who became a priest, but ah. but continued to solve crimes anyway because this was the era of cop shows and crime solvers of different things. So. And that, that probably was uh, influencing Father Dowling a few years I'm later. Sure, I'm sure it did, but uh, it, was, uh, it, but. It, it was a show... The backdoor pilot, I think, is still part of the Ironside syndication package, but uh, the, the the show itself... Sorry, and they had a couple of backdoor minutes. pilots, one yeah. with Desi Arnaz and... Uh, oh, I'll have to look and, for that one. Yeah, so uh, he had it reoccurring there that yeah. they were trying to do that. We're looking back at the film and television career of Academy Award-winning actor George Kennedy. Stay with us, folks. We'll be right back. We're looking back at the film and television career of Academy Award-winning actor George Kennedy. George Kennedy passed away five years ago this week in TV history. This segment with Tony and Donna originally aired in February 2015. Earthquake is one of my favorite disaster films from that genre. and Written by Levinson and Link. Yes. And, uh, you know, some, some of the actors are, are still around. That movie seems to be getting played at different revival houses. Mm-hmm. It was at the Cinematique uh, in Hollywood uh, recently. With, with uh, Sense Around? Sense Around, yeah. That's right. Yeah, the first right. time yeah. they did it, the technology was working so one way. Move. <laughs> yeah. This one, they had a, a little technical yeah. issue with the Sense Around uh, when we saw it. But they did it one time before where somehow they were able to adapt the Sense Around to the... The, this is the, modern, this is recently. This yes, yeah, the, the Egyptian theater, uh, and which is you know the, they were trying no, to get. Wow, it, it, it wasn't as strong as it was when it played in theaters. It freaked me out though. Yeah, I did. I did. I did not yeah. enjoy the experience. Somehow there was a little compatibility issue when it it played this time, and then you know the, the next either the week before or the week after they were going to do the Battlestar Galactica movie, which was also incense around. And I think there was something on the horizon to show Roller Coaster. I don't think Midway was on the... But, you know, you have basically four movies that were in Sense Around, uh, those special speakers. And, um, you know, that really did shake up the theater. It felt like an earthquake. Yeah, you did get that simulation. And, you know, you have... It's it's one of those formulas where you would see it a lot on television. I think, you know, Love Boat and Fantasy Island certainly took it. Where you have... Different little things playing out 
in people's lives, the earthquake happens, and then all the characters are crossing over all those storylines. And then, of course, the big heroes are George Kennedy and Charlton Heston, where, again, you have a certain rivalry. Yes, that they have to work through, and then they make it happen. George Kennedy has the last line in the movie, um, and he has a, a great opening. He It opens on him as you know, in, a, in a high-speed chase, and you see parts of Hollywood. It's fun just to look at Hollywood. Yeah. Like, we'd love to watch a Rockford to see what yeah. that area, to see Hollywood depicted as Hollywood in this movie. And then, you know, it's it's a battle between, you know, the LAPD and the L.A. County Sheriff, and they cross jurisdiction, and uh, the, the bad guy that he's chasing crashes into Jaja Gabor's hedge, and the sheriff gets a punch in the face, which is beautifully captured on camera because you just see George Kennedy's fist going to the lens and then black out, and uh, you know the rest plays out. And so he's a cop on suspension who's like a, a one-man heroic <laughs> police force throughout the earthquake. And uh, there was supposed to be a sequel, and he was going to be center stage with well, the sequel. I, well, 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 yeah, but see, he went off and did the the human factors. So yeah, that, that was the sequel. Yeah, it was it was him, <laughs> Richard Roundtree, and Victoria Principal, and it was Earthquake Two. It was supposed to be San Francisco, and um, that uh, yeah, that never played. And uh, that never pl- panned out. But, yeah, so he, uh, you know, wonderful heroic uh, bit uh, there, but to be the... And, hit- and just from what I can gather, a, a, a guy with a good sense of humor. A good sense yes. of humor because there were funny elements happening in this disaster movie. Years ago, he did... This This is back when he was do- when he was the pitch man for, I, for, I think it was Breathman's. Yeah. And, and, and the tagline was have an hors d'oeuvre because he was seen in a cocktail party. Oh, I can't have one because it would do my breath. He did, it was around the time of the Dallas reunion. He was in the first Dallas reunion movie. He played, yes. He reprised the role Carter of McKay. Carter McKay. And he did my friend Ron Owens' show on KGO Radio, and he took calls. And one of the calls is, would you please say, have an hors d'oeuvre. <laughs> you know, and, and she said, look, I know we've done, I know you've won the Oscar, and I know you've done lots of television, but, I mean, we love those commercials. And he was a good sport. He said, have an hors d'oeuvre. <laughs> yeah, he did. I would have to say that, you know, when uh, Dallas was pretty much running the gamut mm-hmm. and you had a lot of the, the main characters leaving. He brought a new life to He brought show. a new life to it, and I think he brought a new focus to it. Yeah. Because he was the neighbor. He he lived in the ranch next to South Fork. Yeah. And, and, and the battles that they were having had nothing to do with Ewing Oil, per se, although that would be in play. It was turf. He ga- and he, he, gave, he, gave, he not only gave J.R. and Bobby a new formidable opponent, he mm-hmm. gave them a reason to team up. Yeah, and not always, only that, which was always fun when they teamed up. Which uh, also Ray for a and part even of Ray, it, that's right. Because uh, Steve Canale uh, had actually left the show. Ray uh, had left. Ray had gone to Europe, where that's many right. soap opera characters go. That's right. <laughs> but when South Fork was threatened, Ray they comes back. back. He comes back, yeah. and they do have this. You know, I know the uh, the reboot was Battle of South Fork, yeah. which I thought was very good. But you know, it was a battle over the warring ranches, mm-hmm. and it got heavy. So you had all these rivals within the family. You had Clayton Farlow, Ray Krebs, Jr., and Bobby all 
on the, the same, same side, <laughs> and and I always love it when the you know, the foes have to put their differences afi- That's aside. That's right. Well, because Dallas essentially the reason why Dallas connected with a lot mm-hmm. of people was it was about family. family. Yeah, and it was about the, the same. I mean, everyone everyone has levels of dysfunction in their own family, but in a crisis situation. You come together yes. and you're on the same side, and that's what they always did. Yeah, and you know, Jr. did not like this guy who married his mama, right? And uh, you know, and for him to assume a patriarchal leadership position in here, and uh, people following the lead, I mean, it was great, yeah. and it really did because you know, after a while, I mean, Jr. had gone to Cuba; they were just about ready to go to Russia. They had, J.R. had already screwed up in Afghanistan, of all well, places. Well, he not and only, so it, the fact that the battle was at home. Yeah. Well, he not only disliked Clayton for marrying his mama, he disliked Clayton because he had the hot, once upon a time, he had the hots for Sue Ellen. Yeah. So, so, <laughs> so there was, and then Clayton's son. And I mean, yeah. there was, That's I mean, right. he, right. he, was, he J.R. had, let's say, a he dozen. Had a lot of issues with Clayton. Yeah. He had a dozen legitimate reasons why not to like him. But when it came, when in South Fork. situation, they would, yeah, they would... South Fork was being threatened, yeah. and all rivalries were you know put in the freezer. Let's put it yeah. that way, and and all of them came together, and it was very ugly. Yeah, ranch hands got killed, and uh, Clayton had to say to the he said, you know, we're going to give you a bonus if you stick around, but we understand if you don't. I mean, you know, basically telling you know the hired hands, uh, you might get killed in right. this. But we'll give you a bo- you know, and, <laughs> and, 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 and you know I I could see a whole bunch of labor laws being violated in this one inspirational yeah, speech. Yeah, I, I, I'd like to I'd, li- I'd like to be at the uh, I'd like to be at the bargaining table when they renegotiate their contract. Yeah, that's. Um, <laughs> That is, uh, yeah, because hazard pay has its limits. And, you know, but the fact that you had a team that, you know, also this is where we work. This is, you know, and you you will see uh, loyalty like that, too. Yeah. It's like, no, not here. Not, you know, this is this is my town. No, you you don't do that. So it was a foe uh, like that who just wanted, you know, to take over the ranch and uh then also had business dealings that could attack the Ewings, yeah. who just hated the Ewings, and uh, for for apparently no reason, you know, everybody else had a grudge, yeah. you know, something Jock did, something Jr. did, but this guy, he just hated them. He it moves next just, door and he hates these people. Tony and Donna will be back in our next segment as we replay a conversation with Joanne Worley that originally aired in September 2012. Joanne Worley, of course, one of the stars of. Rowan and Martin's laughing. Our friends at Time Life have just released all 140 episodes of Rowan and Martin's laughing as part of a complete series box set that is now available at retail for the very first time. In our conversation with Joanne, she took us backstage of the making of Rowan and Martin's laughing, as well as told us the story of how boas became her trademark. We'll replay our conversation with Joanne Worley. We come back on TV Confidential. Story Salon is Los Angeles' longest-running storytelling venue. We have live shows every Wednesday in Studio City, as well as solo shows, podcasts, CDs, and several books. Los Angeles Daily News calls Story Salon gemstones of narrative, something new, funny, astonishing. Sunset Magazine says, tales tall, tragic, and tantalizing. All of this makes Story Salon one of the most eclectic entertainment experiences available. You can learn more about us by going to our Facebook page or by visiting our website, 
at www.storysalon.com. Accredited by Guinness World Records, welcome to Archival Television Audio, Incorporated. A peerless TV soundtrack archive, preserving the audio from television's first three decades, the 1950s, 60s, and 70s, the golden and silver age of television. For more information, go to atvaudio.com. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential, x.com forward slash tvconfidential, or at TV Confidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time homebuyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411. Or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.